Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Suzanne with us today, who ignites ideas, conversation, and connection. Her motivational talks and workshops are a combination of innate wisdom, modern tools, and humor to grow communication, connection, leadership, emotional intelligence, productivity, strength, positivity, grit, resilience, and the life you love. Suzanne has condensed 35 years of experience, study, and exercise, nutrition, and holistic living, and delivers it in a 16-step process for living your best life. This practical approach to well-being can be delivered can be delivered within the containers of coaching workshops or seminars for individuals and corporations. Suzanne is described as an authentic connector, hilarious, inspirational thought leader, sharing personal stories, triumphs, struggles with science and research-backed content and the modern tools that you can implement in real life. Suzanne holds a BA in Applied Science, MA in Positive Psychology, 25 years experience in dentistry, has certifications in life coaching, corporate wellness coaching, nutrition, mind-body fitness, stress management, mindfulness, positive psychology, flourishing skill group coaching, and is a certified optimized living coach with an additional trainings in energy medicine, NLP, hypnotherapy, hypnotherapy, duality, public speaking, marketing, social media, and leadership, plus personal development. Suzanne, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Wow, thank you for reading that. And someone wrote that for me. And I have to say a shout out to the person who wrote that for me, uh, Karen, because I would not write that about myself, even though all that is true. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Karen, because I think it's, it's, I think it's so impressive to see people's life experiences and what brings them, brings them to right now. And, you know, you and I were talking beforehand about that feeling of being at home Mm. and, and, and using home in a kind of a metaphorical sense, because I I feel like all of your experiences that you just, we just highlighted there of what brought you home within you. And a lot of people are in their physical home right now, but they may not necessarily feel at home within. And I'm hoping that maybe you could speak a little bit to about what, what feeling at home is for you and maybe just describe what that feeling is so people can start to start to look to find their way there. Well, I think I I could speak to it in two aspects as um, what I do for work and then who I am as a person and they kind of blend together. Uh, but I'll speak to who I am as a coach first. Um, I would say that being home uh, for me felt like when I stopped looking at what everybody else was doing, I stopped um, comparing. So that that whole uh, cycle when you become more visible, I, I guess it was when I started speaking and I started being more visible online, I would compare myself to the younger, the prettier, the skinnier, the more followers. Mm. Um, And that prevented me from having my own voice and also from shining my own unique abilities. So I truly had to conquer that I don't care what anyone else is doing approach. And I, I know it's easy to say that, 
but it's not easy to do that um, when you have to be on social media for your business. Uh, so for me, it was about creating really strict boundaries with my digital consumption. Uh, so there's certain times that I'm online and that's it. And over the course of a couple years, I became more comfortable with what I was saying and my voice and realizing that I, if I chose, I would show up to meet a client wearing yoga pants, flip-flops, and a casual shirt mm -hmm. and not feel like I needed to wear heels and a suit and dress up like a banker. Mm. Uh, I really felt like I could embrace who I am as a person. You know, one, it's short hair. I've always had short hair. Coronavirus has, you know, gotten it a little bit longer. But um, standing in that true version of myself, if I want to show up in flip-flops, I'm going to show up in flip-flops. And, of course, if I'm going to a law firm for a workshop, I'm going to dress more but it's still me. I'm mm. showing up as me instead. And it really felt, so that affected my personal life as well. Changed some relationships, uh, some relationships I needed to get rid of and some I needed to cultivate even more of. Um, and it's only been within the past two years and I'm 53. So, you know, it takes a while to do yeah. this work and to really feel comfortable no matter what the number on the scale says no matter how many wrinkles you have or how many followers you have it's all tied together you 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 mentioned the boundaries piece and i'm so glad you touched on that because i i find that me my clients people i know and and uh, clients or anyone who's uh who's a high powered executive at the big firm to someone who's a solopreneur, I feel it's a universal struggle for so many with the boundaries piece. And if we could just get that boundaries piece in, it would enable all of us, empower all of us really to just live more thriving businesses or live more thriving lives, run more thriving businesses. It would just simplify life immensely, wouldn't it? How, how do you set, establish and force boundaries for yourself? Well, I, I actually had a really good mentor in this, um, and I read a book um, called Digital Detox by Cal Newport, and he was a big influence. So just through the, reading this book, um, attending a couple lectures of his, I, he doesn't have email, and my coach doesn't do email as well, and that left me kind of scratching my head two years ago. I was like, mm. yeah, okay. Um, they don't do email. This is interesting. And then as I got more into the work of optimizing my own life, so my sleep was the number one thing I had to work on for Suzanne. It was also the number one thing my clients needed to work on. So I decided if I'm going to help my clients sleep better, then I need to be sleeping better as well. And I, I think that's kind of the running theme in my life. So if a client shows up with a struggle and that makes me notice, Ooh, I could do better in that area. Having that client makes me step up to the plate 
almost in a way I can't lead them without being a leader in this area myself. Yeah, I love that. So dialing in the sleep was where the digital detox came in. I realized that I was watching TV until late at night and it was usually something emotionally disturbing, whether it was happy or sad or scary. Uh, so I turned the TV off, all, all devices off by 7 p.m. now, and I stop work by five, hmm. except on Tuesdays when I have some international clients that I see at nighttime. Um, but every other night, weekends included, the phone is off uh, by 7 p.m. Hmm. and work is done by five. So the minute five o'clock hits, an alarm goes off on my computer and I, it's not easy to leave the phone here in my office. And when I get to my office door to go out into my house, it's a conscious choice to leave work in this room and then go out and be with my family. And one of those things, it had to be that the phone had to stay in here. So you actually practice a physical separation. Yes. Environmentally and with your device too. Yes. Uh, because I tried doing just a mental separation and it didn't work. Yeah. Those damn things, whenever they buzz, beep, ding, ring, whatever it is, they got us, they got us dialed into oh, our it's. Uh, I don't know what scientists did the experiments um, on animals with something similar, um, but that's what we're doing basically yeah. every, every time those alerts go off. So I, I tried having my phone in the kitchen and I would be at dinner or making dinner or helping my son with his homework. And I would hear a silent notification or, or just look at it. And it would light up and immediately it was in my hand. Mm. And I said, no, this is not going to have control of me like that. And so physical separation became necessary, almost like out of sight, out of mind. Was that so a, I just, what was that? Was that a hard breakup process for you? Oh, with that device? Yes. Yes, almost as bad as breaking up with Diet Coke about 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a, you know, it's such a profound point because I feel like when I hear everybody talk about struggles with boundaries, inevitably it seems more often not. There's a common denominator in all those boundary struggles and it is the phone. Mm -hmm. It is the phone and whether it's they're on Facebook or they're on email or they're doing text message or they're on some other app or they're just thinking about it or they're checking it. Even if they, you know, they say like, <clears throat> I remember having one of the most profound moments in my life that really got me cued in on how much these darn things are controlling us. I was sitting down to dinner with three friends. There's four of us at the table and, you know, there's four people, but there's place setting for eight. Everybody had their phone out there next to them. And I remember my best friend, said, this is so awesome. I'm here at dinner with my three best friends. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing. Nowhere else I'd rather be. Literally 30 seconds after he says that, he gets a text message, comes in, and I see him recharge, pick up his phone. He completely disengages. And then the person to his, I can't give it, must have been his left, 
picks up their phone and just starts scrolling, not because they had gotten an alert, but because they felt uncomfortable now that he was on his phone, they weren't on theirs. And then because that one was on their phone now, the person across from them to my left picks up his phone. Now I know neither of them have had alerts or any buzzing or beeping going on, but they're doing yes. it just to do it, doing this. And I can feel myself in that moment going, you know, what the hell is happening? But then there's a part of me that feels like I need to pick up my phone and grab it, even though I don't want to be on it because I want to be, be doing that. And I feel like there's, a, there's this hypnosis that we've all fallen under about our dependency on these devices. And I love that you said that for you, the one of the key things with the boundaries is actually physically separating it, leaving it in another room, not in the same room, not mm -hmm. in the reachable vicinity, not turned off in the same room, but you put it in a room where you are not physically in it anymore. And then you separate it for that. And you have dedicated days and times you do that. Yes. That's incredible. And I, I will say that it was an adjustment period for my friends. And it was also an adjustment period for my clients. Uh, but if I'm truly going to be that uh, radiant exemplar coach, right? I want to be the example for my clients. I want to set the bar way up here. Mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to live up to that. Yeah. Um, and I won't tell anybody to do anything or suggest anything that I haven't at least tried myself. I, I just, that's who I am as a person. And so with food even, so my clients that struggle with a food addiction, whether it's sugar or maybe it's coffee or maybe it's candy, physical separation is the answer. Don't buy it. Don't have it in the house. It's not an option. So when you feel that strongly and that convicted about giving up something. Um, and I always share with my clients my struggle with Diet Coke. And that resonates with them, mm. you know, because maybe their thing isn't Diet Coke. Maybe it's the phone. Maybe it's Oreo cookies. Maybe it's popcorn at nighttime. But whatever it is, if you separate yourself from it, it increases your willpower, right? It becomes, because mm -hmm. yeah. um, I always, I kind of believe willpower is, is a myth. It, you, it's not something you have or you don't have. It, it's all in the decision and how important it is to you. I love that. Thank you. How important, Suzanne, are your mistakes in your growth? Um, Wow, I don't even know if I could. I think I would tell the story of somebody asking me um, how I could be a life coach when I've had so many F ups in my life. Hmm. And I looked at her and I said, dude, that's exactly what makes me good at what I do. Because all of those mistakes, two failed marriages, um, failed businesses, three failed businesses, but a couple really successful businesses, um, death of both parents, being an only child, 
miscarriage, infertility, like the list goes on and on. But it's those things not only made me stronger as a person, but make me able to sit right in my client's shoes. And there's something magical about that when you're sitting with someone and they're telling you about their struggle and you've had that same struggle. It's a, it's a different level of helping someone. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it gives people hope. Uh, in a lot of my talks, I will go into maybe one or two of my stories and it gives people a, wow, if she can come out the other side of that smarter, stronger, fitter, faster, whatever it is, then maybe I can do it too, even though I'm 50 or even though I'm 40 and have five kids. I love that. <clears throat> I think that there's such truth in that, that there's a big difference between theory and experience, right? Yes. In the sense of we can have all the letters, all the education in the world. It means something different when you've actually put your tools into practice. You know, we, we all know those people who they, you go to their garage or their workplace and they have this immaculate tool shed. Mm -hmm. And those things look like this came off the rack at Home Depot. They've never been used. Mm -hmm. And you ask them, what is this? And they look at it and they might explain it, but if they actually had to build something with it, they're kind of almost clueless with it versus the ones who you can tell, you know, there's something to be said about the tools that you see that they're a little dirtier, that you can tell they've been used, you can tell they've been worn, and that when somebody picks it up and wields it, it's like they're picking up an extension of themselves. Yes. Yeah, I love that designation of mistakes. You mentioned, yeah, I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, please, please, please. I, I was just going to say that the extension of, of me would be all of those tools that I've, and I, I used to look at those tools as changes in direction in my business. So every time I got a new tool, I would, I would identify so much with that new tool that I thought that's who I am. Hmm. Uh, so when I studied energy medicine, oh, that's who I am now. Mm. And then it was positive psychology. Well, this is who I am now. But what about that aromatherapy back there that I've loved since 1992 and I use with almost every client? I don't want to throw that away. And the aha moment was when... <laughs> I invested really heavily in myself for this really high level mastermind because I was convinced I need to be in a room with people who think uh, above me or beyond where I'm thinking. I, I want to grow more. And someone in the group said to me, oh, well, you're thinking about it wrong. All of those things that you know, every book that you've read, every course that you've taken, they're just tools in your back pocket that you can pull out anytime mm -hmm. and use with a client. 
that's the magic of being an organic coach, meaning you don't have a three month program and a six month program and modules and whatever. Each person is a unique experience. Oh, and I think I sat with that for a week and filled mm -hmm. an entire journal with just that aha moment. Speaking of aha moments, you had mentioned to me that you've had some time, like many of us have had, of being more still, looking more within, having more silent conversations with yourself. And one of your biggest ahas during these last you know, four, five, six weeks that we've been locked down, shelter in place, quarantine, whatever the language is, there's so many terms now. Mm -hmm is you realize that there's been a lot of things that you've been saying yes to that you really don't like or you don't necessarily want to say yes to. Talk to us about learning to say no to the yeses. Yeah, so um, I have been a life and a business coach for about five years. I added on the business coaching to my life coaching because people were asking me for advice and it, it happened in a really strange way it was one person and then oh sure I can mentor you and then two people and then four people and then oh well this I, I can't mentor 12 people this that and to me mentorship is free to me you have a mentor who is kind of that older, wiser person who's doing what you want to do, in my mind. Um, and I said, okay, well, I, I, I guess I should sell a business coaching option. And I mean, it, it's led me down a very interesting path of corporate business coaching clients. I have 20 years, 25 years experience in dentistry. I have dental offices that are clients, dentists that are clients, and I'm realizing what I'm doing with them is not really business coaching. Hmm. It's, it's life coaching for an entrepreneur and the business coaching per se, you know, teaching somebody how to do Instagram or YouTube or get leads on LinkedIn Oh, I don't want to answer those questions. Hmm. And I'd rather just point you in the direction of the person I learned how to do it from and go learn from them. That's like a tool. That's like the library of resources in my head. Yeah. And so when the Corona quarantine first started, I said to my husband, you know, I don't think I'm going to get as many new clients right now during this time. And he looked at me and he said, you should be getting more clients right now because of what you do. And I thought, isn't that interesting perspective from my engineer, you know, husband who thinks very rationally, not emotionally. And I thought, oh, well, yeah, people do need me more than ever. And what do they need? They need resilience. They need grit. They need hope. Um, and the science of prosperity that has nothing to do with money. 
that it's about moving forward with hope. And I decided to start saying no to any more business coaching clients. So I have a mastermind filled with business coaching clients, and that's the only way to get that advice for me. And the rest of my practice will be for my life coaching work, which is so near and dear to me. Suzanne, with the last few seconds we have left, I notice you have a sign behind you that says thankful. Mm -hmm. What are you thankful for? Uh, the number one thing that comes up every time somebody asks is my childhood. Hmm. Um, I was pretty much who I am now as a kid, fearless, bold, an only child, deeply loved by her parents. Uh, I had a great friendship with my dad and my mom, uh, and I had a rough patch, but grew to be great friends. And second would be my, um, my fertility journey, which ended in adoption. Mm. Um, super, super passionate about adoption. And uh, I never knew that that was going to be my path. But when they handed me that baby and I looked down, I was like, oh, my God, that's the baby I've always known I was going to have. So um, super thankful for that journey. But it was hard. It was six years of trying to conceive hmm. with every medical intervention possible, ending in failure. Ending six years, and I don't even want to tell you how much money, in this isn't going to work for you. Hmm. And a simple decision not to cry about it, I mean a little, yeah. not a lot, like a say I didn't cry, but yeah, like bit. I'm not going to cry for 10 years about it. Yeah. But to decide with my husband, okay, that didn't work. What are we going to do? Do we want to have kids or do we don't? And we decided on adoption. Oh. Best thing we ever did. Everyone, I hope that you took some notes. And if you haven't, rewatch and take notes. Whether the notion of coming home and getting really familiar with what that is it resonates with you or whether it's looking at how can you start saying no to some of the things you've been saying yes to. Gosh, if you take anything away from this, I think that one concept is so critical. And when Suzanne said, shared that with me earlier on and restated it now, it resonates so deeply with me because I realized how much of my life has been spent saying yes to things that I really should say no to. So it frees me up to saying yes to the things that I'm really passionate about and near and dear to my heart. I, I love the idea of mistakes and how critical they are, how they've been the things that she's she's learned from to grow from and how it it humanizes the very nature of the relationship between coach and client and the interactions they have. And that to close up with just a notion of a decision, you know, and how that one decision, not to cry over what she lost, but to decide on what she wants. And I think that's such a perfect place to end on because it's a, it's a powerful place for all of us to be in right now. Many of us have lost and lost tremendously during this time. Many of us who are struggling, whether we're out of work, whether we saw industries upended, whether we have lost loved ones during this time. And this isn't to make small of what you're feeling, not at all. 
What it is to say is it's to encourage you how powerful a decision can be in altering the course of your life. If you, it's understandable to cry a little bit about it. Yeah. You know, we, we all can do that and as we all should. But remember, you still have that one power that nothing can take that away from you but you. And that's the power to decide what you want. What do you want your life? What do you want your business? What do you want your health? What do you want your wealth? Decide what you want it to look like because a decision gives you a direction. And right now when there's so much uncertainty and fear out there, we could all use a North Star that will shine the light to where we wanna go. Suzanne, this has been absolutely incredible. I thank you so much for sharing with us. This has been an absolute blessing to hold this space with you. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for you and what you've shared today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll see you next time, everybody, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to